I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I am Chris Ann Hall, and I'm here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall, bringing you current events with fact, truth, and constitution principle not the fake news that you're hearing everywhere else. I have a sort of fun story to tell you this morning, JC. Go for it. Uh, apparently, all over the Northeast, and, uh, well, it says here, Northeast Eastern United States, as well as parts of the West and East Coasts, Australia, M- Mexico, Brazil, and EU suffered thousands of reports of YouTube going down last night. Oh, that's terrible. People were freaking out. Freaking out. So it took like over an hour for YouTube to get back. And uh, people are tweeting. They were going to Facebook trying to figure out what's going on. And, th- and you know, there was the, the jokes about apocalypse and all this other stuff going on. But nonetheless, um, people were seriously distressed over the fact that YouTube had gone out for over an hour. <laughs> Uh, what would our friend Patrick Wood say about the technocracy there, the fact of YouTube going out for over an hour? <laughs> Shuts down the world. The world. How will these people even be able to, to know what's going on to communicate with each other without YouTube? Hey, I got an interesting... Yet they're calling for revolution in Texas. Right, right. Yeah, good luck with that, guys. Good luck with that. So here's today in history. Cuff Whitmore is in history today. Already. Today is the day when uh, General Burgoyne surrenders 5,000 men and at Saratoga, New York in 1777. How awesome is that? You want to, you want to, I, I want you Cuff to. Cuff Whitmore stole his horse. They, right, right. <laughs> so I wanted you to, to give a little, your little lesson on uh, Cuff Whitmore today. Uh, but for some reason, my, my uh, program has locked up. Well, so Which you can do some uh, from memory, right? Black Patriot at the Battle of Saratoga um, was actually captured during the battle, and then they uh, they basically, you know, were forcing him to take care of the general's horse, and 
said go go water the that horse. would be Burgoyne who yeah. surrendered today in 1777 yep. so he took uh took his horse down to the creek and got finished watering it and then jumped on it his back and took off across the field through flying bullets and uh took shots through his hat and coat and rode back to the uh, American Patriot lines and they were uh they were so moved and 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 rallied uh that that energy uh drove the battle uh there for the rest of the day and Burgoyne ended up surrendering well and that was October 17th 1777 and Cuff Whitmore this black yep. patriot uh was instrumental in that you know what's interesting JC is I went to Wikipedia and I looked up uh, the battles of Saratoga because there were actually two. There was September 19th, and then uh, there was one that began on October 7th, which ended on October 17th of 1777. Yeah. And guess what? There is – look at this. Do you see how He's long not in there, this? Right? There is absolutely <laughs> no mention whatsoever yeah, on you, Wikipedia. <coughs> look at this list of names. Look right. at these resources, right? And not one mention of Cuff Whitmore. In yeah, the there. same. The same is true of uh, Ethan Allen's famous Green Mountain Boys. If you look that up in the Wikipedia, you know there mm-hmm. there were over there were, I think about eight Black Patriots that were members and and some key figures in several battles, and they're mentioned nowhere on that page. In fact, the Wikipedia page of the Green Mountain Boys has a section called Notable Members. Uh huh. And no Black Patriot is there. But you can learn about these people at libertyfirstuniversity.com through JC's class, uh, More Than Victims. We're writing them back in where they've been erased. Yeah, yeah, because we need to reclaim an entire lost generation. No, you can't maintain, you, you can't maintain the message that you're a slave, you're a victim, come let me save you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have these his, these historic heroes in the midst of oppression and slavery i mean they the slavery was in existence all this stuff was going on right. since 1619 but yet here they are standing up being heroes uh doing uh, incredible things uh, in spite of that so uh, so that's the problem it takes away your excuse like you can't walk around and go oh my ancestors were slaves so therefore i'm poor and broke and and uh, you know nothing works and my life's a wreck well what about mm-hmm. these people who actually live during the time of slavery, you know, who were black and right. real estate owners, property owners, wealthy home builders, wealthy restaurateurs, right. heroes of the Patriot Revolution. You know, what about all that? Where's their excuse? And I just, you know, I mean, Battles of Saratoga right here on Wikipedia. Wikipedia is supposed to be the the liberal bastion who is supposed to be supporting minorities and empowering minorities. And yet... Blam, you know, it's like blatantly not there. I don't know how to do it, but I guess you can go in there and add add a section. Somebody out there who knows how to operate Wikipedia, you can go out there and yeah, put him in. We should be doing update that. the Ethan Allen's page and all the all the stuff. Hey, I want to mention to everybody that tonight at 10 p.m. I'm going to be publishing an interview uh, that uh, I participated in with Aaron Cruz. Uh, some of you may remember Erin Cruz. She was the Republican candidate who sought election to the U.S. Senate in California, running against Diane Feinstein. And California has a very 
uh, well, I, I want to say unique, but a, a uh, historical way, if you can believe that, of, of determining numbers of candidates. They go with, uh, they go through their primaries and they go with the top two uh, victors in the primaries, whether they be Republican, Democrat, or independent. So kind of the way we used to vote in president and vice president, right? So the top two, the top one would be president. The secondary one would be vice president. In California, uh, they go with this option. So uh, the top two primary uh, candidates, which uh, our friend uh, Aaron Cruz was not one of them, Diane Feinstein and another Democrat named Kevin DeLeon are now the candidates for the 2018 Senate election in California. And Kevin DeLeon is part of the new Democrat Party, right? Mm. And so um, there's this this article I saw on Fox News that Diane Feinstein is getting a lot of heat from both sides because of the way she treated the Kavanaugh confirmation. And the daily own supporters are saying she didn't do enough to block the uh, confirmation of Kavanaugh. So you have that. But I wanted to just let everybody know that uh, because Aaron Cruz is on the West Coast, uh, we will be publishing that interview on Facebook and Twitter uh, and LinkedIn at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time if you want to see that. Good news is, is that Aaron is not giving up. She's going to be running against Kamala Harris. Wow. Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? So uh, she's going to be running against Kamala Harris the next time around. So we just we want to pray for her to bring some some uh, real uh, sanity into California. And, you know, she's one of those conservatives in California that we we have come to meet. And she is actually in Southern California. So she's a conservative in Southern California. We know we taught in Bakersfield. And is that technically Southern California? Yeah, it's about two hours north of L.A. I would, I would, it's still borderline Southern. Yeah, borderline Southern. Yeah. Uh, I think that I've even taught right outside of L.A. before. So yeah. there are conservatives. Well, Palm Springs and areas around there are really conservative. You have the Simi Valley area. I think that's where the Reagan Library is at. So there's a huge. I mean, that's one of the areas that's that's wanted to uh, secede. You know, basically have their own, uh, not secede, but have their own state, state like yeah. separate from California, like Northern California. Yeah, you got is several doing. movements there. Yeah. Well, we talked about that actually. We talked about California splitting up. We talked about um, the problem, the representative problems that California has because they're not following their state constitution. Yeah. So don't think that. All these areas, everybody in these states are, are liberal because they're not. No. Um, it, it's just like any other any other state, really. A lot of the urban areas are dominated by uh, lefties, and uh, their other areas are not. It's like a, a big spot of blue, island of blue in, sea, mm -hmm. in a sea of red. That's really uh, what America looks like dem uh, electorally. Electorally, right. And what's interesting is that a lot of the conservative groups – are actually seeking constitutional knowledge. That's why, you know, yep. they brought us in. They certainly don't bring us in because we're, you know, GOP party line. So Well, and one of the threat the threats there uh, that these folks feel because of that that uh, electoral um, division, right? Mm -hmm. That that's the threat of the what do you call that? The national vote 
Oh, national popular vote. Yeah, national so popular vote. Get rid vote, of the right. electoral college, right? That's the push so that these spots of blue in the sea of red can can absolutely um, control Consume, all political divisions. So annihilate. Yes. Yeah, so then anybody <laughs> outside of these blue areas, uh, you'll not have a voice. What's interesting is I love I love these little moments of hypocrisy. Uh, Acase, what's her name? Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio-Cortez. I don't know, some of you may have remembered from, from other talk shows that um, uh, Ocasio-Cortez blamed Uber because a yellow cab driver committed suicide. And uh, so, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. She directly blamed Uber for the suicide death of Doug Shifter, a driver in his 60s who killed himself with a shotgun. And she says it was because of financial difficulties caused by flooding the streets of New York with alternative and cheaper options of taxis. Yeah, sh- you should not give political speeches when you're high. Right. That's kind of the <laughs> lesson there. I think she's always high. But. So anyway, but here it is. The investigative report shows that uh, Ocasio-Cortez u- uses Uber more than any other uh, transportation <laughs> service. So there you have it, people. They can't even keep their, their uh, stories straight when they're sober. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. You know, the, the, the politics that drive America are, are, di- are no different on both sides. You have hypocrites on both sides. You have activists on both sides. And so now we have this push uh, allegedly stemming from the Democrat side to pack the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we got a, a push to put 15 justices rather than nine on the Supreme Court. And the interesting thing is uh, this is a this is prime time to do that. Right. Because you could even get Republicans on board to do something like that. Because remember, even though in the midterm, the Democrats could get an advantage in the Senate or in the House. Uh, there's still going to be a Republican president for two years. So the Republicans could say, sure, we can we can go ahead. And now what would have to happen is, constitutionally speaking, Congress would have to pass uh, through legislation to increase the Supreme Court from 9 to 15. The Constitution does not set the number, so it would have to be done by Congress. And then you have Trump and his Republican Senate? Right. Filling out the rest of the court? Right, right. Well, uh, Are the Democrats high again? Well, you know. This is a bizarre strategy. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. But here's the thing. Remember, politicians in Washington, D.C. are always in it for the long haul, right? So they believe, and, and as delusional as it may be given the current events, all right? So they actually believe that they will get uh, a new majority in the Senate, they believe that they will get a new majority in the House. Who, Democrats? Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Because we're real close. It's not happening. Yeah, right. I understand that, but they don't know that. And so they believe that if they push forward this, even though uh, Donald Trump will be making the nominations, the Senate, remember, makes the confirmations. Right, which they're not going to win. Right, they're not going to. Well, <laughs> but see, here's the, the thing. It they, doesn't they may matter. not win the House. Okay. I, I mean, they may get the House. Then again, they may not. Uh, but that's their only that, That's their only hope. They're, they're not going to win the Senate. Well, but they're no saying way. this is the nuclear option, and it's the Dems' only option. You've got... You've got Vox and and HuffPo, and you've even got Washington Post talking about right. how this is the only option we have to save our democracy. Yeah. So uh, here's how this works, though. Yeah, explain to me how this works, because I don't see it as an option, but go ahead. Right. So what, what are they saying exactly? Well, that because they could win the Senate, that that could make so this th- is the all- Democrats could, could be the ones that are in, you know— actually making the Supreme Court uh, confirmations, which is true. The Senate makes the confirmations, but it begins with the president. So this is why it will fail no matter what they do as long as Donald Trump is president. Is, because the, the pool... So it's a shot for 2020? They're saying yeah, we get yeah. the presidency and then yeah. in 2020 we'll do this? Right. But in the meantime, okay, in the meantime, if they do it now... Right. In the meantime, they're still getting nominations from Trump. So they're not going to get anything that they're going to want to confirm. Correct. And even if Congress says you can have 15 or some are even saying at least 11. Right. Uh, Just because that's the number of Supreme Court justices doesn't mean you have to have that many. So what would likely happen is you would not be confirming justices because obviously the goal is to pack the court with liberal justices in their paradigm. The the Senate is not going to confirm a conservative justice. Trump is not going to put forward a liberal justice. So we'll sit in this sort of quasi holding pattern until 2020 when the Republic or when the when the liberals or this quote new Democrat party, which is a socialist party, actually comes forward to uh, with a president to pack the court. Now, from a historical perspective, this is not FDR did this. Yeah, this is not or the first time. Well, he tried to do this. Now, uh, when we first started with the Supreme Court, there were only five. Uh, but in in but in 1807, it was moved to nine, and then nine, in 1837, it was moved. Uh, no, I'm sorry. In 1807, it was moved to seven. In 1837, it was moved to nine justices. And then in 1863, we went with 10 justices. I, I can't understand, you know, that kind the even of split. the even thing. <laughs> but um, eventually, uh, we returned back to the nine justices. <laughs> Somebody said. Dope. That's Dope. an even number. That's dumb. So when we get back, I want to talk about this a little bit more and the problems that we have that are actually creating this quote-unquote nuclear option. Constitution, and from every direction, we cry revolution, standing together and without permission, soldiers for truth in the war of attrition, the love of
The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here with my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. We're talking about this uh, so-called progressive nuclear option to stack the courts. Uh, And uh, remember, this happened before under... nine more. Under... Six more they're talking about? Six more or, or two more. So I there's see. 11 or 15. I don't know what's wrong with 13. Maybe it's a unlucky, r- unlucky number. So These we cats make justice. like quarter million dollars. I know, right? Seriously. So um, uh, FDR tried to do that. Uh, he tried to stack the court, but the Congress would not go along with that. Now, the idea is, uh, and, and, it, and it's crazy because... This is the problem that we have. Mm -hmm. We have a problem because we do not have constitutional justices. We have political justices. There would be no claim for stacking a court, right, if we did not have political justices. Because it wouldn't make any difference. Right, right. Because the Constitution is not going to change with the numbers. Right, exactly. If you have conservative justices. Constitutional justices. I'm sorry, constitutional justices. That's why I say all the time that we don't want conservative justices, excuse me, any more than we want liberal justices. And this is the problem that we have. Uh, We're looking for, as Vox says, ideologically sympathetic justices. And I say that on the conservative side and on the liberal side. So that's what senators are looking for. That's what presidents are looking for. And leftists and liberals want those that are ideologically sympathetic to them. And uh, establishment or conservative want those that are ideologically sympathetic to them. And this is how this, this works. And I think that this, the fact and, and this is what we've been saying, J.C., the whole time. Historically speaking, the courts, and I'm talking back a thousand years of, of government, courts have always become the tools of those in power to, to increase their power, to, in, to diminish the liberty of the people, to become the virtual rulers of society. Yeah. A thousand years of history proves that courts become the virtual rulers of society By the when way, unchecked. It dawned on me, looking at this, that you know we talked about uh, Kavanaugh being Kennedy 2.0. Kavanaugh is actually more liberal than Kennedy. I just realized Kennedy voted against Obamacare. He voted to strike Obamacare oh, yeah. in full. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he voted to repeal it entirely, right. whereas Kavanaugh supports it. Right. So I, I think this whole movement uh, proves that what we have now are people who believe that, that we are ruled by the courts. The fact that oh, what yeah. we have people wanting to stack the courts to be sympathetic to their ideology proves 
that we have an America that is ruled by the courts. Yeah, we say this over and over again. You see yeah. it constantly. It, they this make comes laws. Up. You know, they're talking about freaking out here because they're afraid that Kavanaugh is going to uh, uh, undermine the regulatory state. That's yeah. that their biggest. Right. So their biggest concern <laughs> right. is is basically taking away this this fourth branch of government mm -hmm. uh, that we've created, and that's what worries them because that you know it's they rule America through the regulatory state right mm -hmm. the fourth branch of this this administrative state that is that has grown out of the executive agency through uh through congress right creating this stuff and empowering it right right and, and then uh, they abdicating their delegated authority yes. to an executive branch of bureaucrats elected by no one right and then the left uses the court as their backstop right right to be able to, well, the, to protect and, the administrative state. Well, and you, you had the conservatives do it as well, given yeah. whatever sure, administration sure. is, because this pr is primarily where people in limited issues, particularly when it comes to, I would say, when it comes to two things, two things with the conservative, it seems to me uh, in the national security arena. Right. Mm -hmm. So the sort of anti uh, Fourth Amendment, anti due process. Right. Arena is where right. the conservatives uh, use the court and use the agency. And then the second thing, what you see to me that's very common, not not necessarily consistent, <clears throat> but very common, is is siding against uh, the rights of the people in favor of large corporate interest or property. Right, right in the realm, and particularly in the realm of property. Property, right. So when you see like the Kilo case, where you know what was it? Big Pharma or whoever mm -hmm. came in and and so you, you throw out this sort of eminent domain you abuse this eminent domain idea and you can scoop up property and all sorts of stuff so in the area of, of property rights and fourth amendment due process rights you have the conservative kind of using uh the courts like that now on the left it seems a lot broader and a lot more pervasive. Well, it's all about government power and yeah, ruling because expanding. the socialism is about government right. control. Complete expansion of government power and authority. And they run they run roughshod pretty much over every possible right you can name. Yeah, well, let me just point out because this I have talked about this on our show for, you know, those of you who are listening, I don't know how long you've been listening, but I've been on the air now for six years and uh, so we're actually up coming up on our thousandth show. We will we will get our thousandth show before the end of 2018. And uh, so uh, I I think that uh, we might actually be more See, than that. I was going to say six years. Seems like there's more than that. Well, I, I was going by the the tally number on yeah. Podomatic, I but I realized you have deleted yeah, some, so maybe several years off. Yeah. At least two years are not even there. All right, so we're probably over a thousand shows anyway. But those of you who've been listening for a long time, you'll know that I I came under some serious pushback when I started talking about the fact that Scalia himself was not as constitutional as people lifted oh, him yeah, up they to all be. Have their and Scalia spots. Uh, always defended the uh, autonomy of these ex these executive regulatory agencies. I would say they all did. Yeah, well, but I'm saying, you know, th
uh, gave deference. In fact, that's the common thing. That's the big conversation right. now mm-hmm. and what's freaking these guys out because there's a movement uh, in what they term conservative justices where mm-hmm. people are sort of revisiting this idea of the, the court has given deference to the executive agent. So it's usually in the case, the administrative mm-hmm. law type right. arena. Mm-hmm. So something would come up where there's a dispute over the statute and the court has consistently said, well, we'll go with whatever the executive agency says. Right. Uh, literally allowing these bureaucrats to write law and well, then the Supreme Court upholding the writing of these yes. laws. This is legislation without representation. Yeah. So that pendulum is beginning to swing. And this is that's one of the main things that that is freaking them out well let me mention to you that in light of this this proposition to stack the court we have to realize that even if some miracle happens and uh you know they go along with this 15 and and trump actually places additional six supreme court justices There's no guarantee because we're not looking for constitutional justices. We're looking for conservative justices uh, that these people are going to actually uh, remain conservative. Remember, uh, Scalia expanded the power of executive agencies. Even um, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor sided with with liberal leftist judges and so well I we think can't we can't really uh, again when we deal with judges from an ideological perspective you're always going to get an arbitrary mixed bag yeah but here's the thing and th- this is this is where I w- what the difference I would say is because that conversation is happening so to me it highlights the point of why you know the movement if you want to call it, that we are in is mm-hmm. so important, right? Mm-hmm. People, the constitution people in, movement. Yes, people in the Liberty First Brigade, mm-hmm. the people out there uh, in the independent media and on shows like this that are pushing this conversation, that are opening up this thing, mm-hmm. that are shining the light on the constitutional right. issues. So I, I, I really believe that, in, in fact, I think you already saw it with Scalia, as a matter of fact. And so I believe Scalia was still here uh, it would be in, this conversation would be influencing him. So right. that's the part I think when, when you yeah, you don't have a guarantee. But fortunately, uh, we have this constitutional movement. And now within the conservative circles, like I said, that pendulum is, is swinging and they're sort of looking back on it because this here's a bizarre thing about the Scalia. What was it? I don't know if the Chevron case or one of these yeah. cases. And, and he made one of these rulings. They came up with some hugely broad uh, interpretation of what they can do with this administrative agency, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. And he sided with it. And then somebody, some reporter or whatever, uh, and some discussion like was like 15 co- years yeah, later, confronting him, you know, talking about this and citing the opinion. And he responds, Who wrote that confused opinion? And they said, You did. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, Wow, okay. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Which kind of implied a couple of things to me. One, you you see the sort of changing, if if that was his opinion, you see the kind of changing uh-huh. view as these conversations uh, come up and as we see the abuses right. expand, right? The other thing it kind of implied to me, which I don't know one way or another, but I suspect very strongly, is that uh, much of these opinions 
are not actually written by the justices. No. They have a lot of the law clerks and right. the researchers and all this, and they put this together. And and I think maybe you can end up in a situation where the justices are not really paying close attention to what this opinion says. I don't know what they're doing in there. Like, right. what else do you have? Because this is what you do. You only hear cases, you know, what, once a, a year or whatever. They, mm-hmm. You only have a season of cases. What are you distracted by? Why do you have to have somebody else write your case? So it kind of implied, like, well, looks like Scalia didn't even write this thing. He couldn't even remember what was in it, and it didn't actually agree with what he thought. And he said, who, who wrote that confused opinion? So that's kind of bizarre to me. I'm thinking a lot of these justices aren't even writing their opinions. Yeah, and, well, I I can tell you that because I've worked in the court system for a long time, but that's that's true. When we get back, I want to I wanna give uh, some instruction and some warning about what's coming up. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. This is our last segment of the day. I am Chris Ann, and this is my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. Everybody knows that uh, the hurricane that hit Florida has done massive damage and uh, JC, why don't you tell them about our other ministry and what we're going to be doing there? Well, as as many listeners already know, we <clears throat> besides what we do in fighting for Americans' liberty, we work uh, a significant amount of time in, on the mission side, and, and we're partners now with um, a ministry called Global Impact Ministries. And um, we uh, part of what we do is disaster relief. And so, of course, in the Panama City thing, right right here was two hours from where we live, two and a half hours. Um, everybody knows by now how, how devastated they were. But one of our, uh, one of our partners there is um, uh, Maynard Boys Home, and they've been uh, helping uh, take care of orphans and wayward boys for, for about 30 years now. And they, the um, place where they uh, have these, these boys was really uh, torn up in the storm so anyway long story short we we uh, feel moved at global to to help uh, support the rebuilding uh, of the facility and we have committed to to um, uh, the cost of the flooring and to get the flooring down there is going to cost about five thousand dollars to replace the floors we have a partner um, near pastor rick groover's location in alabama that is helping us with material. We're going to bring the material down, um, hopefully next Tuesday. I mean, we're going to we're going to go ahead and do it, and we 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 have we're going to trust that God's going to make a way. So, if you want to help with that and uh, make an impact there in the relief efforts in Panama City, in particular for the Maynard's Boys Boys Home, go to gimi dot world, and you can support this effort. Like I said, it's going to cost us about five thousand to get the flooring. Uh, and and get it down there. So G I M I dot world. You can help us out at Global Impact Ministries. Plus, you'll know that the money that you send will be going to this particular 
this particular need. Yeah, and that's the thing. We worked with Islander Evangelistic Ministries in Haiti uh, for several several years. We've moved to work with Global now, but we saw firsthand the the corruption with mm-hmm. the Red Cross and disaster relief there. We've seen the shenanigans here and disaster relief uh, with with FEMA, and you know so. We're trying to expand our efforts, actually, in this in global to to be able to respond in the times of disaster because we want we want an organization that that will be impactful, um, but that'll be accountable. One that you, you know that's where it's going, and uh, you know we're not paying six figure salaries for people just to fill out paperwork and all this kind of nonsense. Well, I'll post the website uh, location on our show page, both on SoundCloud and at chrisannhall.com. So if you want to know that, we'll also be posting it. Uh, I've actually posted it last night on Facebook and Twitter. So I will post again this week so you guys can uh, have a way to do that. Yeah, I, I posted on Instagram. Our friend uh, Miriam from Chicago, she was she's right on it. She donated already. So oh, thank you, Miriam. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you very much. Hey, look, I just want to say thank you to everybody for your support over the years. We couldn't do what we do and bring the education that we have to bring. I want to close out with just a simple warning. If you uh, love Trump, if you, you think that that with a Congress and a, a Senate that is Republican dominated, that it sounds good to have a power to uh, put more judges on the Supreme Court. Just remember that the Republican appointees have not always been conservative in their opinions. And because we have a history of taking justices that are are political and not constitutional, it really is an arbitrary mixed bag. We don't need to be stacking courts. Stacking courts is a very, very bad idea. What we need to be doing is educating people to the limited power of the judiciary instead of trying to expand the power of the judiciary. Good grief. Congress can't do what it's supposed to do now. Can you imagine with 15 justices that they have to go through all these nominations that that would be all they would do all the time is is argue over these justices ah but maybe that's the whole plan right give the people more drama so we have to do less work (sighs) all right everybody we will see you again tomorrow god bless i was one who believed in the